Science. Science Po. Hello everyone and welcome to the second episode of the second season of our Science Po research podcast where we talk to researchers, faculty of Science Po on their studies and in the second uh, season is devoted to the work of researchers studying democratic institutions, the rise of populist politicians, the evolution of non-democratic regimes and the challenges to political institutions around the world. And today I'm very happy to welcome to the podcast a very important member of Sciences Po faculty, Nona Mayer, is a research professor CNRS Emeritus. Uh, Nona has had a distinguished career as a political scientist. Among other things, for more than 10 years, she was actually president of French Association of Political Science. She continues to work on what's uh, uh, been the central uh, subject of her studies, which is uh, uh, radical right, and especially French radical right. Uh, France is the place where extreme right parties have done subst- uh, pretty well in recent years, and Nona has been the most important scholar of those uh, uh, tendencies. Uh, today we are going to talk about uh, your uh, specific area of research of radical right, among other things you've studied about radical right, is the role of gender. France is the country where for many years now we have a female leader of uh, uh, what's now called the Rassemblement National, the National Rally. We also have news that the other radical right party has welcomed the member of Le Pen, faculty, uh, F- F- Le Pen family, uh, Marion Marichal, who will actually lead the European list, uh, European parliamentary elections list of the other radical right party, the Reconquest. So this is a very interesting phenomenon. And so when you think about those issues, you've studied this, so when, when you think about those issues, why do you think we, we have this rise of women and and uh, elimination of gender gaps in this political spectrum. What has happened in recent years in radical right in France? In France, because it's not the same in the rest of Europe. Well, it's interesting because we have survey data, post-electoral survey data, that allows us to go very far to see the impact of gender on votes, the support for Jean-Marie Le Pen, the father, and the support for the daughter, Marine Le Pen, who took over the party in 2011. And it's very clear. When the father was in charge of the party... There was a very wide gap between the support of men and women, up to seven points in the presidential election of 1995. When Marine Le Pen came, since she is at the head of the party, there's absolutely no more gap between the support of men and women. So it's really interesting. And even for a while, in uh, 2017, uh, young women, those who never knew but Marine Le Pen at the head of the party, voted even more than men of the same age for her. So we have something going on which you don't find in other countries. And of course, part of that impact is linked to the personality, style, strategy of Marine Le Pen. Not only the fact that she's a woman, because there have been many women leaders at the head of populist radical rights in Europe, in uh, Norway, in Denmark, but the radical right gender gap, as we call it, is still there. Still there, women are more reluctant. So there's something specific to France. Um, yes, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting question. And we've seen that in the second radical right party, which is very recent, which was launched by Eric Zemmour uh, just a year ago, two years ago, this uh, movement has been 
especially male chauvinist and macho Eric Zemmour, was uh, not a feminist at all. We also see the arrival of a woman who will lead this party in the European uh, election, being a, a competitor of uh, her former family members, Le Pen family and uh, Rassemblement National. So there you think uh, it's also imitation of success of Marine Le Pen, or you think it's 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 something objective transformation of the voting uh, population? Why do you think that has happened in the second radical right party? Yeah, well, uh, Zemmour mm-hmm. has been very openly holding uh, speeches that are anti-feminist, anti-woman, sexist, virilist. He said that women, uh, when, when they were working in, in firms, uh, the, their role uh, was uh, to, to prepare the coffee and uh, to do uh, blowjobs. So it's really uh, very insulting for women. And he is exactly like the father, Jean-Marie Le Pen. So it's that sexist dimension which turns away women from Jean-Marie Le Pen yesterday and from Eric Zemmour today. As for Marine Le Pen... A contrario, it's not only that she is a woman, it's that she presents herself as a woman, a mother, a French woman and French mother, but also a modern woman. She says she's not conservative, as is Alain Zemmour or another woman in his party, Marion Maréchal. She says she understands women who are bored. She says that she is emancipated. She has been um, bringing up her children, her three children, alone, uh, out of wedlock, she has married several times, divorce. So all this gives, the, uh, she tries to give the image of a very emancipated woman. And that's what uh, attracts younger women to her and not towards a Marion Maréchal. Or if you look to Italy, towards the Italian leader of the radical right, Giorgia Meloni, who is a woman, of course, but on a very conservative, traditional line and not at all defending the right of women as Marine Le Pen. Except maybe we should bring some nuance because that's what Marine Le Pen officially stands for. She says she wants the emancipation of women uh, in her in her campaign, in the presidential campaign. The slogan was uh, Marine Le Pen, state woman. And she has written a letter to the French women telling them you must uh, assume, you must emancipate yourself. But when you look a little more closely to the program of the party or to the presence of women, it's more complicated. Actually, in the program of Marine Le Pen, there are very few mentions of women's rights and practically nothing on the equality of pay, for instance, of wages. She insists on, um, uh, you, she speaks of women under the, uh, the chapter of family, because we must repopulate France, under the, the chapter of uh, health, yes, uh, under, but not on as far as it goes on emancipation of women for itself. And if you look at the votes of the members of the Front National yesterday and the Rassemblement National today, in the French National Assembly as well as in the European Parliament, they never voted for all the laws that wanted to establish concretely equality of men and women at work, for instance. So, uh, if you if you can go a little further, Marine Le Pen and her party see everything through the prism of national preference or national priority. The idea that there's one big threat for women and it's Islam, Islamic fundamentalism. And so uh, she, in a way, genders 
uh, immigration issues or ethnicizes uh, gender issues. And she puts everything, she says, the threat for women, it's Islam because they deny all the rights of women. She says the, the threat for Marine Le Pen, uh, of, uh, that Marine Le Pen puts forward, it's the presence of foreigners because they are potential sexual aggressors. So it's a very, very one-sided image of the defense of the right of women. Uh, yes, it, it's actually a very important dimension of um, Marine Le Pen's political um, narrative that uh, she defends gender rights against immigrants, right? And basically this anti-immigration discourse, which sometimes is uh, confused with anti-globalization discourse, anti-European discourse, uh, but the real focus of Marine Le Pen is immigration, especially immigration from Muslim countries. And essentially, Marine Le Pen probably doesn't object from uh, people like me looking uh, white uh, coming to France. But if I looked uh, more like a person from a Muslim country, I am actually, uh, I was born in a Muslim part of uh, uh, Russia. And I'm not ethnic Russian myself, but I look white, mm -hmm. right? And so for me personally, it's a very interesting issue how uh, people like Marine Le Pen would treat uh, arrival in France of, uh, of white-looking men. On the other hand, uh, uh, we see difference between other anti-immigrant parties. Zimur is anti-immigration. Uh, Meloni is anti-immigration. But they somehow stay on this conservative side. And even though Meloni is a woman and Marion Marichal is a woman, these parties will stick to uh, anti-feminist agenda, well, conservative agenda, conservative, conservative yes. agenda, and uh, you think uh, you think that uh, Marine Le Pen chose this strategy to attract uh, female voters? Do you think uh, she really thinks that uh, using this uh, merger of anti-immigration and pro-woman uh, agenda is the future of radical right? Why do you think she's so? different from other radical right, like uh, Meloni. So it's, there are two things there. First, there are many other radical right parties that put forward the same idea that Islam is the big threat for women. Denmark, Norway, and the radical right gender gap is still there, so it's not so simple. But what Marine Le Pen had the intelligence to do, she had definitely targeted the female vote. Well, women represent 53% of registered voters, and she had really that in mind. That was an obstacle she had to go over. So as soon as she was uh, at the head of the party, she specially targeted women with slogans, with tracts, with uh, leaflets, and uh, because she, she understood the strategic importance. And there's one thing we didn't talk of. Uh, what made the difference between her and her father is that she completely um, made, uh, she softened the image of the party. Not only was Jean-Marie Le Pen very sexist and anti-women, but he had an aura of violence and extremism. And if you go back to the way boys and girls are brought up, they're still, even if there's quite a large progress of emancipation of women, not educated in the same way. Little boys are supposed to be more assertive, more aggressive than women. Women are brought up to be more conformed to the norm. And two extremist, two violent parties, independently from their sexism, uh, put them aside, put them away. So Marine Le Pen very clearly launched a strategy of de-demonization 
to appear like a party like the other parties and to take away that image of violence and extremism. And that's what made the difference in the, the support uh, for women. Coming back to the issue of another radical party, Eric Zemmour's party, initially people were very much worried about his rights, but eventually in 2022 he got not that much of a vote, 7% of the vote, and a lot of people would say that the main beneficiary of Rise of Zemmour, as you just mentioned, is actually Marine Le Pen, who compared to Zemmour was looking like a more normal, less violent party, and also attracted attracted the vote of women who, as you said, in your work as well, are more risk-averse, uh, yes. uh, more likely to see non-violent, non-extremist, uh, normal uh, political discourse. To what extent do you think uh, Marine Le Pen is actually benefiting from somebody who is even more to the extreme than she is? Well, it's, you must balance it a little bit, but it's true that in French we use the word repoussoir, mm -hmm. you even use it in English. So uh, it was a, a good uh, counterexample. Uh, so he, he helped her in a way. He also took some of her voters and some of the party members, those who were on the most uh, traditional line. So uh, in a way, but I would say that it profited, it, it helped her more than it does, uh, than uh, the opposite. So in a way, Zemmour helped Marine Le Pen. Yes. Uh, let, me, let me also ask you on other issues of social conservatism or, or uh, progressive agenda. Marine Le Pen is, uh, as you said, in economic, in economic uh, issues is not really pushing for equality between men and women, but in social she is. To what extent other minorities benefit from the rise of somebody from, uh, who is Marine Le Pen, like LGBT rights, uh, other minorities? To what extent she actually says, I'm against Islam, Islam doesn't like gays, so I'm in support of gays. To what extent she uh, participated in the debate on gay marriage in France? To what extent this is a similar conversation? That's very important, and it shows that she's not on the conservative line. When there were demonstrations in 2012, 2013 for gay marriage, uh, she didn't take part in the Catholic traditionalist movement and the opposition to gay marriage movements. She didn't go there. And Florian Philippot, who was at the time number two of the party and who is openly gay, didn't go either. And she says that Islam and Islamic fundamentalism, but often it slips to Islam and the head of her followers, is not only a threat for women, it's a threat for gays and it's a threat for Jews. And she said uh, very early, she said that in our suburbs today, it's difficult to be a woman, to be gay or to be a Jew. She poses herself as the defender of democracy, the defender of secularism, and the defender of all these categories against the threat number one, Islamic fundamentalism. Um, right, and this is actually brings me to my next question, to the profile of voters of uh, Marine Le Pen, who, as you mentioned, are now younger. We see that if in 2022, for example, we only had young voters, yes. uh, we don't know who would be the president of the republic, or we know that would be a different president. Uh, why do you think... Uh, 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 she manages to attract younger people. We know that younger people are usually more likely to vote for the left. And again, in your studies, you also showed uh, uh, that many young people, including young women, actually prefer to vote for uh, a radical left, for uh, uh, Melanchon. Uh, what is, what is uh, different between uh, young people who choose uh, uh, populist right? 
Well, first, uh, young people, that means nothing. There's, it's a very heterogeneous group. And those who vote for Marine Le Pen, as those who voted for her father for a while, it's young people among those who are not very much educated, who have at the most, and many not at all, the baccalaureate, who have a little vocational degree which will lead them nowhere. And it's the idea that they have no future uh, on the one side, and also the fact that if you don't go very far in your studies, you don't get enough uh, critical mind, you, you accept maybe more easily the very Manichaean, black and white uh, vision of the world of uh, Marine Le Pen and her party. So, but don't say that there are only young people. There are people who vote for Marine Le Pen, as for her father, in all the categories of age. But her lowest score are among the people who are elderly, who are retired, uh, who are afraid of this aura of extremism and violence. It wasn't always the case in uh, 2002, uh, the issue at the heart of the cam presidential campaign was security, law and order. And this time it's the elderly people who voted for her. So that can change. But now it's very clear. With your father. Yes, yes for, um, for her father. It's very clear that in the last presidential election, the two factors when you make some statistical analysis to see what are the elements that matter, well, there was age. It's uh, the younger you are, uh, before 35, that's where you have the highest probability to vote for her, all things equal. It's education. And these are, and of course, because of that, it's also among uh, the working class, routine, manual workers, mostly men on one side, and uh, routine manual workers, which are men on one side who vote for her, and routine non-manual women, I would call the service proletariat. These are the two categories uh, that will especially vote for uh, Marine Le Pen. But you cannot only say that the profile is socio-demographic variables. It's interesting to look at the attitudes. And what is really more important than anything else, contrary to what is often said today, it's what we call ethnocentrism. That means that you valorize your group, your in-group, and you reject those that you feel are different from your group. And that's the number one it's a fear of immigrants, of foreigners, of religious minorities. They are not really France. That's the number one issue. And then the second attitude that matters is being anti-Europe. And anti-Europe, why? Because anti-Europe, it's the open door to immigration and to all these threats. And the third attitude that matters, and there again, many people don't consider it matters, but it still does, it's the positioning on the left-right scale. Those who vote for Marine Le Pen, their probabilities go higher as they put themselves more to the right on the left-right scale. And what's interesting, it's, it's exactly the same profile for men and for women. There's not a specificity there. It's not, about, it's not on feminist issues, or on gender issues that men and women vote for Marine Le Pen. No, it's on all these themes that I've told you about. And women and men are exactly the same. But... Before Marine Le Pen came at the, uh, the, the, the head of the party, uh, they hesitated to, to jump the river in a way. And it's Marine Le Pen that made the trick, that made it easier for women who had the same attitudes, the same aspirations, the same fear of foreigners than men. They accepted to vote for Marine Le Pen at when they couldn't vote for Jean-Marie Le Pen. I think uh, if we have American voters, they really think about 2024 election and think that 
they're very lucky not to have somebody like Marine Le Pen instead of Donald Trump because Donald Trump does have a gender gap. Yes. And uh, he's uh, almost like uh, Marine Le Pen's father. He's anti-immigrant. Uh, uh, he sexist. Does, he's, <laughs> and he's very sexist, so yes. he does have a gender gap. And so we should be scared that we have a female Trump coming up, but it's not going to happen in 2024, at least. We don't but know yet. You know? We don't know yet. I fully agree. And we should be scared. I agree. Um, on the other hand, you mentioned Europe, and this is extremely interesting because indeed Marine Le Pen says Europe imposes immigration on us. We lost our sovereignty to Europe, which forces us to open our door mm -hmm. to immigration. And then uh, for many listeners, there is always a puzzle. If you're against Europe, why do you participate in the European parliamentary elections? What are you going to do in the European Parliament if you're elected? And Marine Le Pen has been very successful in European yes. elections in 2014, in 2019. What is the European program of uh, people like Marine Le Pen? They say they want another Europe. Mm -hmm. They want a Europe of the patrie, of the nations. They want to change Europe, but they know that they can take advantage from Europe. When they have uh, elected deputies, the, the, the first su electoral successes of the Front National at the time of the father were in the European Parliament, it gives them a tribune, mm -hmm. it makes them visible, it gives them money and, and uh, funding. So they are clever enough, they know they need, they must present candidates and their idea is to slowly convert uh, Europe to their ideas and that's why they have tried uh, year after year uh, to form a group of all the radical right, of all the, the sovereign uh, defending uh, rights in Europe. And there's the group Identity and Democracy, where you have at the head of it actually Marine Le Pen and uh, the, the Lega, the League of Matteo Salvini. And they are very aware of the importance of using Europe as a tribune. And in a way, they have not fully succeeded because they wanted, uh, for example, Giorgia Meloni uh, will not, has an, is in another group. She doesn't want to join the group with Marine Le Pen and Matteo Salvini. Uh, they, the, 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 Polish, what you would the, call Polish, the Polish and the Hungarian, which are the poilure, the heavy uh, forces of the radical rights in Europe, they despise, and they are not on the same line on many issues than Marine Le Pen. Marine Le Pen is inferred as the daughter of Jean-Marie Le Pen. And that still, for many, makes it not a party like the others, not a really respectable party. Two, uh, they, are, they haven't the same uh, ideas of uh, what should be the position towards Russia or what is the position on economic issues. Marine Le Pen is seen as, so they consider her as a communist almost, because she's on a far more social line, because she appeals to the working class, and she does it deliberately. They are more, if you take the, the Poles, the Hungarians, or Meloni, they are more economically liberal. So these, these groups are still very divided, and that uh, is a limitation to their power. But that's why they really want and need Europe, hoping to change. This is a great way to describe why we have this mm. split in the European radical right between people who are friendly to Putin, like Marine Le Pen or Matteo Salvini, and people who stick to uh, NATO and uh, understand Putin being a security threat to Europe, and also economic issues where Meloni and East European, Central Europeans are very much uh, uh, for smaller state. 
there is a history uh, that is obviously driving this, uh, and the popular vote in countries in Central and Eastern Europe is highly anti big state. Uh, on the other hand, uh, the big question is what these people have in common, and you rightly said they're against immigration from outside of Europe, which is actually different from uh, radical right and populists in the UK, where the Brexit was not even driven by immigration from India or Pakistan, but it was driven by immigration from Poland. And I guess uh, this is what divides uh, populists on the different uh, um, sides of the channel. But on issues like immigration from Muslim countries, these all parties should be together, right? So they want to build Europe that has closed borders around Europe and not just borders between uh, Poland and Hungary or Poland mm. and France. Marine Le Pen and Polish government, uh, Kaczynski or uh, Hungarian uh, Prime Minister Orban, they all dislike immigrants from uh, Middle East, North Africa. And so we should be worried about them joining forces. Right now they're split, but on this particular issue, they seem to be aligned, correct? Yes, they want to defend Europe and close the doors. And it's all, all other types of immigration which are seen as a threat to the sovereign nation. So they all have that, that in common. They're patriots, mm-hmm. all the French first, Hungarian first. But they have that in common. But uh, that doesn't mean that they will get together because of the conflicting ideas they have, not only on the economy uh, and on foreign policy, but also on the morale, on the conservative morale. Uh, If you take Poland and Hungary, they are on a very conservative line. So there again, it's a very heterogeneous group that you have. And for the moment, it has been impeding any larger alliance than the present alliance that they have now in the identity and democracy group. So we don't know what the future will be made of, but there are still quite a lot of uh, conflicting ideas among that group of populist radical rights in Europe. So this is good news. They cannot unite themselves uh, too much so far. So far. Uh, But uh, then uh, uh, there is another worry that uh, extreme right and extreme left can get together uh, and uh, attack uh, attack the democratic core of the republic in France. In particular, we saw that uh, Jean-Luc Mélenchon, for example, did not call his uh, supporters to vote for President Macron in the second round of French presidential elections. Uh, do you see commonalities between left, extreme left and extreme right in France or in other countries? Should we be worried about this? No, I, I, there's quite a mythology, and you had it at the time of Nazi Germany, the idea that you have the, the how do you call fer à cheval, the horseshoe, the idea that extremes are not at opposite ends, but that they meet ideologically, and that the communists at the time, uh, and the, uh, the extreme left and extreme right, Nazis and communists were the same. But it's not true. If you look at the ideas, at the voters... Uh, Of course, there are individuals that can go from extreme left to extreme right and vice versa. But uh, first, their ideology is not at all the same. Both extreme left and extreme right were against Europe. You see it in the referendum of Maastricht in 1992 and in the no to the the treaty, constitutional treaty in 2005. But on completely opposite reasons. On the extreme left, the idea is that we are against the Europe of big capital. We are against capitalism, against uh, hyper-neo-economic liberalism. While on the side of the extreme right, it's the defense of the nation, 
of its sovereignty. So it's not at all the same ideas. And uh, you are talking of the strategies uh, of the extreme left, uh, not openly uh, promoting a Republican front uh, to beat Marine Le Pen. But it's not only the, the way the extreme left acted. You see that uh, neither Macron nor the right, uh, Les Républicains, nobody, uh, the, both had the temptation to say, Uh, Macron and Le Pen, it's the same on one side, and uh, la droite, Macron, and uh, the extreme right, it's the same. Everybody was uh, at fault there. So uh, it's really always uh, dangerous to, um, to not have nuance. And, and no, Marine Le Pen is different than Macron. They are fundamentally opposed. And it's a pity that there was not more clarity in the political game. Politics, it's not only to vote for, it's to define who are your main, your major adversaries. And that uh, was something that none of the leading political forces did clearly. They gave no clear advices to the voters in 2022. I think you mentioned a very important uh, narrative, which is many people stayed at home or didn't vote for Macron saying that there is no difference. Mm. And in your work, you also discuss how indeed normalization of Le Pen and her rise also affected uh, mainstream parties, in particular mm. uh, the center-right parties, in particular Republicans in France. And uh, many educated young people uh, thought that Macron, who was, in their opinion, also center-right rather than center-left, even though he came from Socialist Party initially, is also no different from Le Pen. To what extent do you think it's true? To what extent the move from center to the right by the Republicans and therefore center by uh, move from move of Macron from where he was towards the right, to what extent this is just a narrative or there is a certain truth to that? It's more than a narrative. The, the, the reason why Macron was elected in 2017 is that he managed to attract center-right and center-left. It's not only a narrative. It, it, it was, uh, for the first time since 1992 and 2005, the issue of globalization and of Europe was at the heart of a national election. And, and so it wasn't more than a narrative. The, you had therefore the th three partition, as we say, very clear in a national election, which wasn't the case before. So that's more than a narrative. So uh, let me let me go back to the main issue that we started with, which was the issue uh, of uh, bringing together the anti-immigration agenda and especially anti-Muslim immigration agenda and uh, gender rights. Marine Le Pen's been using it very skillfully and indeed closed uh, um, uh, uh, closed the gender gaps in the vote for uh, her party. Uh, what if you were a president of the republic? What if you were advising? mainstream politicians. How would you counter this narrative? What would you say? Uh, it is true that uh, uh, there is a certain share of uh, uh, Muslim countries which don't have gender equality at all, and uh, even in their constitution, uh, gender, uh, gender remains uh, an issue which is not mentioned or is mentioned in the way that we don't want it to mention, women don't have rights. So 
there is a certain share of uh, Muslim world that doesn't believe in uh, gender equality. What would you respond to those women who say, we do agree with Marine Le Pen because she defends secular values, she defends gender equality? There's a lot of surveys on the children of immigrants coming from Muslim countries in France. And let's look at France and not at the other countries. And gradually, they are on the same line than the non-immigrant born. So it's uh, they are Muslims, fundamentalist Muslims, who are against the right of women. But it's if you look closely at the survey data or at local monographies, you'll see that in the younger generations, it's not at all a problem. And there we could enter a more complicated debate of what is the meaning of these young Muslim girls wearing a scarf, an abaya. Very often it's a question of asserting an identity with the feeling that because they are Muslim, they are denigrated. So it's a far more complicated story. And if I were to advise the president of the Republic, I would say maybe the important thing would be to address the real important problems. And it's not the way young girls dress. Maybe it's equality of women, all women at work, and in, in the, the working conditions. I mean, socioeconomic issues are the things that French people care the most. If you ask them what were their motivation in the presidential election of 2022, it wasn't even immigration. It wasn't Islam. It was purchase power. So I would say start working there, and then uh, things will be simpler. Rather than uh, creating problems uh, and making big problems that are minor. As an economist, I fully subscribe to this advice. I think economic issues matter. And indeed, in 2022, we had a major spike in inflation and indeed French voters. And on this constructive note, I would like to thank Nona Meyer and uh, welcome you to stay tuned for the next uh, episode when we continue to talk about populism and democracy. Science, science, science.